Get your Bibles out. You're ready to study the Word, right? All right. Get your Bibles. Open it up. I'll be reading a couple of passages. One out of the Old Testament, another out of the New. So you can begin to find Exodus chapter 34. Exodus 34. Genesis. Exodus shouldn't be too difficult. And then you can put your finger in 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians. As I mentioned during announcements, this weekend will be our 19th Encounter Weekend. And it has been my opinion that Encounter Weekends have been one of the most powerful ministry opportunities that we've provided here at Legacy. Now, I, I think there's all sorts of wonderful opportunities and events and happenings and teaching opportunities, and all of them are worthy, worthwhile, important, impactful, but Encounter has just been one of those things that seems to have been a hallmark. And so uh, through the years, we've just delighted in watching people come to these weekends, and uh, it, it's amazing. Every time it happens, everyone comes, especially anyone that's new that comes. At first, they really don't know what to expect, and I don't know whether it's, it's, it's timidity, I don't know whether it's um, uh, weightiness in their spirit. It's just amazing. People come in, and they're just kind of quiet and reserved. And then about the time you get to Saturday at dinner time, there's these big smiles, and everybody just has an air of release about them, and it's an amazing, really, transformation that takes place in people's lives. And many of you I know in the room here this morning have attended, many of you have attended several times. I've been to all 19. That guy, I think I've been to one just devoted to pastors, so I guess we've been to 20, actually, so I guess we get 20 before anyone else did. Um, but nonetheless, many of you have attended, and uh, some of you are attending this weekend, and so we want to just solicit your excitement and your expectation because God is going to move powerfully in your life. He has always done that, and He always seems to step it up a notch. The first encounter was powerful. The second one was a little more powerful, and it just seems like every time it happens, He just kicks it up a notch. And so I'm anticipating just a powerful Friday night and all day Saturday. For those of you that may not know, it's a weekend where we uh, teach you and minister to you about real change in your life. There are some things, can you say amen, that need to be changed? I, I mean, if you were looking at me and say, I don't need to change anything, we can cast the spirit of lying out of you, so you need encounter. Because everybody needs change in their life. And there are things that have to be touched and and we need to be whole people, W-H-O-L-E, whole people. And so it's a weekend designed to help bring that about in your life. It's an environment that enables you the possibility of encountering the presence of God. Now, encountering the presence of God is not an automatic thing. Encountering the power of the cross is not necessarily an automatic thing. We can provide opportunities. Every Sunday at 10 o'clock, we provide an opportunity, do we not? For you to encounter God. Now, whether or not that happens is not up to me. It's not up to those who lead worship and sing. It's not up to those who pray and intercede before the service starts. Really, whether or not you encounter the presence of God is up to you. And so it has been.
within our custom to do our best to provide those opportunities. And one of the things that we do, uh, and hopefully will happen this week, and, and those that are signed up will connect with our connect leaders. By the way, all of our, our connect leaders uh, and all the guys that are part of what we would call my 12, if you would stand up, the guys and the ladies, the lady connect leaders and the guys that all, all of them stand up for just for a moment. Some of them are in nurseries and things. If, if you are here and you're going to encounter, uh, please talk to one of these people. If you're a guy, talk to one of our guys. If you're a woman, talk to one of the ladies. And uh, they will help make sure everything is ready for you coming this weekend. But make sure you touch base with one of these Connect leaders. And, and that will be a great thing. And they'll do their best to follow up with you as well. And if everybody's working at it, we'll get uh, everybody caught up. You may be seeing it. Thanks, folks. Um, but we pre-encounter people. We try to get folks ready in order to go to this weekend. Now, I sensed the Spirit of God this week as I was preparing and I was looking at the calendar. And I knew this weekend would come up. And I realized not all of you are going. And so you might say to yourself, what does this have to do with me? But I felt the sense that the Holy Spirit was speaking to me. I can't say, you know, whenever I say that, we all know it's not like it's always this audible voice, right? It's an impression. I got this impression that the Spirit of God was saying, prepare the congregation. God wants to show up in the house of God. And, and there was something in me that said, prepare the congregation for an encounter. You know, one of these days, God's going to show up, but I hope you're ready. I know God's here. The psalmist said, we can go no place that God is not there. He said, where can I go, the psalmist said, where the Lord is not there? He said, can I go to the mountains? Can I go to the seas? Can I go to the valley? He said, I can't even go to hell itself if God is not there. Now, that's good news. But that's, that's, that's really the, the, the doctrine of God. You know, omnipresence. He's everywhere you are. But there are moments, I mean, God shows up. And that's different than just a theory or theology or a doctrine. It's called manifest presence. That God, you sense God is here. I mean, I know God is here, but there are moments you know God is here. And when he said prepare, there was something about, about that word in my spirit. That said that he's wanting to come to us in his presence. I know you know he's here. He's here every time we gather, two or three are in his name. But he wants to come here in a manifest presence. And I'm not just talking about a weekend, but he wants to encounter us weekly. And I just want to share some things that will pre-encounter those of you that are going this weekend. But I'm really pre-encountering the whole congregation. Can you say amen to me? Amen. Pre-encounter me, Lord. Help me get ready for your presence. And so I entitled the message of the lesson this morning, Get Ready for an Encounter. Do you have Exodus chapter 34 in front of you? Exodus 34, 29. It says this. Now it was so when Moses came down from Mount Sinai, and the two tablets of the testimony were in Moses' hand when he came down to the mountain, that Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone while he talked with him. So when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come near him. Then Moses called to them, and Aaron and all the rulers of the congregation returned to him, and Moses talked with them. And afterward, all the children of Israel came near, and he gave them as commandments all that the Lord had spoken with him on Mount Sinai. 
when Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil on his face. Isn't that interesting? Verse 34, but whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would take the veil off until he came out. And he would come out and speak to the children of Israel whatever he had been commanded. Whenever the children of Israel saw the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face shone, then Moses would put the veil on his face again until he went in to speak with him, meaning the Lord. Now, leap over to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And Paul's going to pick up on this story that we just read to you. And he's going to expand upon it within a new covenant understanding, a new testament understanding. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Let's begin with verse 16. He's kind of set it up concerning the glory of God and how Moses would wear this veil. And then in verse 16, he says these words to the church. He says, nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord... The veil is taken away. Now, the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Or there is freedom. But we all, everyone say we all. We all. See, that's how I know Paul was from southern Palestine. <laughs> but we all, say it, we all. We all. We all. With unveiled face. Beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. We're talking about getting ready for an encounter. All through the Bible, we find people who have had an encounter with the Lord. Now, when we find these encounter stories... It wasn't always the same way. Sometimes people encountered the Lord differently than other people did. But in each instance, it was not just an emotional experience, although it was probably emotional. I mean, it could be an emotional thing when you come in contact with the presence of the Lord. But it wasn't just emotional. There would have been excitement, I'm quite sure. I'm sure those that encountered God in these notable ways would have been full of awe and wonder. There would have been reverence. Perhaps they were encouraged. Maybe they were challenged. They may have felt convicted. There could have been ecstasy, euphoria. Personally, I can tell you that there were no two encounters that I've had with the Lord all through the 30 years that I have walked with Jesus. There have been times that I have encountered His presence. And I can tell you this, that there have been no two encounters that have been, in, that, that have been exactly the same. I mean, every time you encounter God, it seems to be unique. It can be personalized. Sometimes it can bring tears. Sometimes it can bring laughter. Sometimes you have a, a feeling within your body. Sometimes there's a manifestation. Sometimes there's just this sense of His presence. But in the final analysis, no matter how they in the Bible or you personally have encountered the presence of the Lord... Whenever someone was done with that encounter, they were never the same after that encounter. We can talk about all the interesting features of it, but the one thing that rang true, if they encountered God, they were never the same after that encounter. The Bible's 
interesting when it talks about these encounters. One that we use during our weekend is the one with Jacob. Jacob, as you will recall, grew up in a in a what we would call religious household. He was uh, the son of Isaac. And so there he was in this religious household. And yet, despite the fact he grew up going to church, so to speak, and having some religious moorings, he was full of deceit. He was full of lies. And he manipulated and he contrived and he strove. And while his sins may not have been so evident, he may not have been the, the outwardly in-your-face rebel. Nonetheless, Jacob was full of himself and full of sin. And, and yet there came a day when he encountered God when he wrestled with the angel of the Lord. And as he wrestled with the angel of the Lord, it was at that moment that God touched him in an incredible way that his name literally changed from Jacob into Israel. Gideon. Gideon was the guy, as you recall, who was just a, a, a worker of the vineyard. And, and, and as he worked in the vineyard one day at the wine press, an angel shows up to Gideon. And the angel says, Behold, you mighty man of valor. And Gideon looks around and he goes, Who are you talking to? And the angel looks at him and says, You. And he goes, Who? Me? How could I be that? I am the least in the household. And yet he encounters God, and out of that encounter, he's never the same again. Joshua is looking at enemies, and he calls upon the Lord, and the angel of the Lord shows up again, and Joshua is ready to go to battle, and in his seal, he looks at the angel, and he says to the angel, whose side do you want? Are you on our side, or are you on their side? And the angel says to Joshua, he says, I'm on my own side. And Joshua goes, I'm with you. There was a change. There was a radical thing that took place. Isaiah in the temple in chapter 6 is there as the prophet of God. And suddenly the Bible says that the presence of God comes to the temple. His train fills the temple. His presence comes in. And Isaiah suddenly says, Woe is me, for I am undone. For I am a man with unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. And all of a sudden there was a seraphim that, that in the heavenly realm peeled a coal off the altar and it ran down to Isaiah and it purged his lips. And Isaiah was never to be the same again. Many of you know the story of the three Hebrew boys in the fiery furnace. How many of you know if you're in a fiery furnace, it'd be nice if the presence of God showed it. And the good news about that story is, is that there was a fourth man when they looked in that furnace. The presence of God showed up. Solomon's temple, when it was dedicated, the glory of God fell. The fire came from heaven consuming the sacrifices. And the Bible says that the priests were unable to stand because of the glory of God. David brought the Ark of the Covenant back from the Philistines, put it in his backyard. Unprecedented in its time. Just covered it with a little tent. And David would... Put before it 24 hours, seven days a week, worship and praise around the Ark of the Covenant. And he himself would go in, not being a high priest. And yet David would grab the horns of the altar. And God's presence would come. And he'd never be the same. Most of you know the day of Pentecost, there were 120 people in an upper room. And they got serious about reaching out and grabbing hold of the Lord. And there was a moment, 40 days, after that ascension of Jesus that took place that the Holy Spirit came into that upper room and they had an encounter with God that totally, radically altered their lives. 
maybe the most notable one of all. That's Paul, who formerly was Saul, the persecutor, who became Paul the apostle, was riding along on the Damascus Road, and the presence of God showed up, literally knocking Paul off his horse, blinding his eyes, hearing the voice of God, never to be the same again. An encounter with God. I just gave you the tip of the iceberg with regards to the presence of God encountering His people. And can I suggest to you that an encounter with God is perhaps one of the most basic truths of Scripture. Of all the things we teach and of all the things we might know as Christians, it's interesting how so many times we see God encountering His people with His presence. And yet it's also amazing to me how few times we seem to really talk about it, prepare ourselves for it, anticipate it, expect it, or even want it. And so it leads at least to the question, have you ever had an encounter with God? Have you ever had a moment, however it may be, that you can say, I've encountered God? I don't know that that's how everyone else would have it happen. I don't know if anyone else would even be able to relate to it, but I know that I have encountered the Lord. It would amaze you how many people we would even call Christians who have never encountered the presence of God. And I guess if, if we stop there, it could lead to the next question by asking you this, do you even want Are you willing to get ready for that? Moses was a man here in Exodus that actually had multiple encounters with the Lord. In fact, the Bible tells us that whenever he encountered God, it had such a dramatic effect on him that he literally glowed in the dark. The Bible says that his face literally shone and that it would bring or solicit a fear. The people didn't understand it. They didn't get it. And so in order for him to interact with the people, he actually put a veil across his face. The glory of God was so strong on him that his very countenance was changed. People could not look Moses face to face because of the glory of God that was on him. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? The Hebrew word for glory is the word kabod. It actually means weighty. You've ever had the presence of God come and you sense the presence of God. There's a weightiness to the presence of God when he literally begins to manifest by His Spirit. Uh, the Greek word is Shekinah. Most of you probably have heard somewhere Shekinah, the word, which is the Greek word for the glory of God. It actually means the striking radiance of God. So when the glory of God would come, oftentimes the Bible tells us that, that people would literally be taken off their feet. As we mentioned, Paul was literally knocked off a horse. Jesus, after that protracted period of time praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, you will recall, when the Roman soldiers came to get him, he got up off his feet from praying and he stood up. And the Bible says the soldiers, Roman soldiers, were taken off their feet. That's what the Bible says. That's the glory of God. The glory of God literally means the presence of God. The presence of God. The presence of God was important to Moses. So important that he said on one occasion, and I'm going to read this passage when we wrap this up here in just a few moments. Moses said that the presence of God was so important that, that on this occasion, when God offered him 
the possibility of, of cutting himself loose from these people that he had led out of Egypt and all the responsibilities and the pressures and all the whining and the grumbling and the complaining and the, the pressure. God offered him an opportunity. And he said, Moses, I tell you what I'll do. I will give you the promise. I will give you everything that I've said I would do, all the blessing. I will give you all the promises, but I'm not going to go with you. That's what the Lord said. And he offered Moses that opportunity, but Moses looked at the Lord and he, and he said, Lord, I'm not going anywhere. I'm planting myself right here. I don't want the promise. I don't want the blessing. I don't want the land. I don't want anything you said that you would give me. I'm not taking another step if you don't go with me. That's how important the presence of God was in his life. Unfortunately, we live in a day and age where as long as God keeps writing the blessing check, we're pretty content to go on without it. As long as God keeps our bills paid, as long as he kind of keeps the semblance of things put together, as long as life's not too bad and he shows up and he does his dog and pony show with us, as long as God keeps doing what God's supposed to do, we're pretty good about going right on without his presence. In fact, I, I fear today that if God were to offer most Christians, or churches even, if he were to offer them the choice between his presence or just getting the goodies, most people would take the goodies and run. And in so doing, I think we would miss probably the greatest miracle and opportunities we would ever want to experience. His presence. Why is encountering his presence so important? Why is it so important? Well, Paul will tell us. He picks up on this in 2 Corinthians. He says God's presence, His glory is the only thing, listen to me. His presence is the only thing. If you're writing that down, underline only. His presence is the only thing that will change. says that we're being transformed, he says, from glory to glory. And, and, and this, I hope, will be insightful. I've said this before, and I guess I'm saying it again. There are many times we ask that the Lord will send an anointing, and I'm glad for anointing. The Bible's clear. The anointing will break the oak. The anointing will, will cause doors to open. The anointing will do a lot of wonderful things. And we'll ask for anointing. We'll say, oh God, anoint the pastor. Anoint him. Anoint him to speak your word. Anoint him to teach the scriptures. Lord, anoint the worship. Anoint the worship leader. Anoint the singers. Anoint the musicians. And we'll pray for that. Lord, anoint. Anoint the counseling that takes place. Anoint, Lord, the therapy they're going into. Anoint the testimonies that we'll hear even next week. But folks, listen to me very carefully. We can have all anointing in the world, but it won't transform you. The anointing will never transform you. It may open up your heart's door. It may cause you to be aware of God's presence. It may cause a number of things to happen, but it's the glory, it's the glory that changes us. Under the old covenant, Moses was considered unique. He was a one-of-a-kind kind of person, a once-in-a-generation kind of person, to be honest with you. 
In these days, under an old covenant, he was one of the exceptions rather than the rule. It seemed as if he was the only one that could experience God's presence. It was reserved, so to speak, for people like Moses or maybe the prophets or those who were priests in the temple. And so it, it was as if it was reserved for a special class of people. But Paul, when he begins to write to the church, he says, we all. Isn't that good? Tim, it's we all. We all with unveiled face. We all can experience what Moses experienced. In fact, God's plan is literally a prophecy that says, the Lord speaking, he says, as surely as I live, the whole earth will be filled with my glory. Now, if God speaks and he says, as surely as I live, that's a pretty sure promise. Because God ain't dying. As surely as I live, he says, the whole earth will be filled with my glory. It is God's full intent. We preach this here. It is God's full intent to radically confront the world, the globe, with his glory. Right now, sometimes, every now and then, we have glory in the church. Sometimes, every now and then, we'll have glory in a prayer meeting. Sometimes, every now and then, we'll have glory in, in an assembly of some sort. But God's saying there's coming a day when It doesn't mean it's not coming, and it doesn't mean we ought not be prepared. Personally, I would love to experience manifest presence, well, not only every Sunday, but every Wednesday and every day in between. I would love for that to happen. Why not? But I have just found, by way of experience, that most of my personal encounters with the Lord have usually occurred in protracted time periods. There are usually these protracted time periods of seeking the Lord and being around the Lord where there's an opportunity to pursue without all the other pressures of life. I could go through all the different conferences through the years. I could talk about the times I've been in extended meetings. Even in our encounter weekend we do here, one of the reasons it's protracted is because you take off Friday night and most of the day Saturday and you spend a protracted period of time pursuing God. It is amazing how God delights in showing up. There has to be a desire on our part, an opportunity to press into God's presence. We've got to realize God's not on our schedule. He doesn't have to show up at 10 o'clock. Well, why should he? A lot of people don't show up at 10 o'clock. <laughs> I'm not picking on you. I'm just saying, well, why do you think God just shows up? Because we post the time and start. Do you think he shows up just because we just gather together and we decide to do what we do and somehow he's obligated to show up? God's not on our schedule. The only schedule God is on is the schedule he determines out of his word when he says, this is the blueprint, this is the pattern, this is the way you come to me. And when we do that, he will show up. If we understand what it is that God's looking for, he is faithful to show up. So an encounter is important. It transforms us. It changes us. I remember years ago, I mean, I grew up in a denominational setting. 
And you know, if the presence of God showed up in our denominational setting, we wouldn't know what to do with it. I mean, it, I mean every now and then we just stumbled over the glory. I mean, it wasn't intentional. And most of the time, most of the time when we stumbled over it, we were casting it out. Because <laughs> we couldn't imagine God doing that kind of thing in our circles. Oh, God wouldn't do that to us, you know. But I, I'll never forget the night, the February night, that I was born again. Back in 1978, years ago. Going down to the old mourner's bench. Being led in a prayer. Something happened, man. You know, you've heard the testimony. I had a two-nostril alert. I vowed. I, when, I went, when I went forward, I vowed. Literally, I was vowing to myself. I said, I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to do it. I've watched people do this before. And I am not going to do that. And with every step down there, you could feel it. You could feel that cry coming up from right up there. Until finally, man, it went right out the nose. Two nostril alert. Messy. Absolutely messy. And I'll never forget getting up after it was all done and, and wiping yourself off and all the things that take place and looking into the eyes of a, of a seasoned, old, godly woman saint that looked me in the eye. They've been praying for me literally months and months and months. And she looked me in the eye and she said, Kevin, you can see your countenance has changed. Now, I didn't have a mirror and I wasn't wearing makeup. But something had happened. Something, something had happened. And you know, when I got up and I walked away, there was, there was something. I didn't know it. I, 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 I didn't understand the scriptures. I didn't understand much of what serving God was all about. I mean, my understanding and knowledge level was that that you could fill a thimble with. I mean, there wasn't much there. But I knew that I contacted God somehow. Somehow. And apparently, something happened that could be seen. You can't contact God and walk away the same person. I watch people so many times say they've contacted God, but they're the exact same person. Something doesn't add up. So let's talk about that. What are some of the effects of an encounter with the presence of God? You know, God's presence is not just for the goosebump or the manifestation. Our movement, those of you that have hung around our movement very long, know that one of the problems we have is that we treat God's presence like a buzz. It's sort of like what we exchange for our weekend buzz we had when we were in the world. We go out, we drink, party, do whatever we do. We get a little buzz. We get a little euphoric. We, we, you know, it would cause us to forget about our problems, whatever it was we were doing. And, and, and we would do that. Of course, there were the after effects oftentimes that weren't so great. And so oftentimes you'll hear people even preach this. They'll say, well, come on over to God's side and you can belly up to Joel's bar. And, and, and God will give you a buzz, you know, that's not like the world. And while those things may be true, we've treated his presence like somehow or another I get a better buzz without the hangover. Or I get a better feeling without the repercussions. I feel love without the feelings of guilt. And so we sort of treated it like that. And that's been our movement's problem. It's because we run around seeking the buzz. 
like we did when we were in the world, seeking the next drink or the next drug or the next the next experience, whatever it may be. And, and we simply become Christians, and I'll use that with quotation marks, we become Christians who are simply wanting an escape or we're wanting this euphoria. We want to somehow or another uh, be anesthetized from our lives. And so, Lord, lay it on me because I just want to up for that. Well, there are powerful experiences, and, and that can happen when you're in His presence, but it's for a purpose. His presence is for a purpose. And I want to give you several things that I'm going to run through this quickly that you can expect when you encounter the presence of God. Number one, I believe when you encounter God's presence, you can get a clearer spiritual vision. Whenever you encounter the presence of God, your spiritual understanding and perception begins to increase. When you encounter God, revelation ignites in you. You can't say that you've encountered God and not have a sense of what it is that he wants to do in your life. I can remember encountering God. And again, I'm not preaching experience. I'm just preaching some of the dynamics. Is that I remember, you know, I played sports and those kind of things. And, and I was a, a relatively good baseball player way, way, way years ago. And I remember that there were a lot of baseball words that I used. Some of you have golf words. You know what I'm talking about. Sure you do. You know those oops words. And all of a sudden, I can remember, it wasn't 24 hours after that, that there was something that happened, and one of those words came out of my mouth, a profanity came out of my mouth. And the instant it came out of my mouth, without any sermon, without any instruction, without anybody telling me anything, there was something in me that got greed. Just greed. What, what is that? Well, that's, that's presence. You contacted presence. That's the Holy Spirit, whom the Bible says will lead you into all truth, will teach you all things. He really will. You may not even hear it from the Bible, but there's something in you that knows that you know because you've encountered the presence of God. I can remember in my denominational setting, I grew up and I went to college and I did the college route. I did the graduate school route. I got all the degrees behind my name and I went off to a minister's conference where we encountered the presence of God back in 1986. And I remember, and Tracy will tell you because it happened to her too, she was there, that after that, we began to open up the Bible. Now understand, I had eight years of Bible, intense Bible study under my belt, and suddenly I was reading it and seeing it and hearing it like I'd never seen or heard it before. It was like I was reading it all over again. And I said, how could I have missed that? my Hebrew class. How could I have missed that? How could I have missed overlooking this in, 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 in a hermeneutic class or a homiletics class? How could I have missed that in theology class? It's because you encounter God and there's clear vision that begins to take place. The disciples, listen to this, the disciples on the road to Emmaus had hung around Jesus for three years. He's died, rose from the dead, and now he's walking with them Two of them on the road to Emmaus, and they don't even get it's him. Now, that fits. <laughs> Some of you have said, oh, if I was just around Jesus, it'd make all the difference. No, it wouldn't. He could come down here in bodily form with you right now, and you'd be just as clueless as those disciples were, who spent three years, night and day with him. The issue isn't you getting Jesus closer to you. The issue is you getting encountered by him so your senses and your eyes are open. And it says as they were walking along, 
Some of you right now, for the first time in your life this morning, just by me talking on this subject, there's something going on in your heart right now It's burning. You're saying, I've never felt this before. You may even be a little scared of it or fearful of it. Don't be. What's happening is, is that God's presence is slowly descending in this place. Because we're talking about Him. And you're beginning to sense clear spiritual vision. You're seeing things like you've never seen it before. You're beginning to understand things like you've never understood them before. Number two, we've already mentioned true transformation. When you encounter God's presence, there's true transformation. It's interesting, a lot of people, this is the era we live in. And I, and I feel like one of the calls on my life is, is that I'm to challenge the era. And one of the issues of the era that you and I live in is this. Everybody believes. You can no longer ask the question, do you believe in God? You can no longer ask that question. Pretty much everybody does. In fact, I don't even believe there's such a thing as a true atheist. Or there, it, it, you, you give me about 15 minutes with him and he may be an agnostic, but he ain't an atheist. Because everybody believes. The, the day we live in, everybody believes. They believe in God. You believe in God? Oh, yeah, I believe in God. Well, congratulations. James says the devils believe. So what that means is, is if you say you believe in God, then you have now moved up to devil status. <laughs> but you never thought of it that way. You see, it's not about belief alone. It's about belief and faith that leads to conversion. See, the era we live in preaches decisions, and there's certainly a decision, but there has to be conversion. So what we have literally are people running around that are unconverted believers. And yes, that is possible. Because the Lord even said to those, he said, with your lips you worship me, but with your heart you're far away. So that is absolutely possible. Isaiah was a prophet who believed in God, but something happened in that sixth chapter when the presence of God showed up in the temple and he said, woe is me, I am undone. And God had to expiate or purge or expel sin out of his life. Paul believed in God, did he not? He thought he was doing God a favor by killing Christians. He believed in God, yet he had to get knocked off his horse by God's presence to get converted. And that's the missing X factor of this era we live in. It's not just belief, it's belief that leads to conversion. You were once this creature, but now you become a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away, all things have become new. You are something that has not existed before. And the reason we teach and preach this is because if we don't, we won't get it. You only get what you declare. So if God's presence comes, people are changed. True transformation. Number three, you render Satan's control powerless. Once God's presence comes, you see how limited and powerless Satan really is. Is this not interesting? The Bible, Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, he did not say where there is teaching, there is freedom. Did he? And I'm all for teaching. God knows I do enough of it. He doesn't say where there is counseling, there is freedom. Does he? But I'm all for counseling. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Counseling is very, very important. It doesn't say where there's great preaching or great worship, there is freedom. It doesn't say that. I'm all for these things. But he says where the Spirit of the Lord is, 
There's freedom. You can have all the structure and all the... That's why we need His presence. Number four, His presence gives us inner healing. What else can crawl inside of you and heal you? If you're hurt this morning, if you're wounded, if you've got internal issues, I can't get inside of you. No doctor can cut open your chest and peel back your ribs and get inside of you and heal the hurt you may be feeling this morning. But God, by His presence, can get inside of you and get to the root of the issue and heal you and help you. That's why His presence is important. Number five, I believe when we encounter God like this, we're given fresh opportunity. Everybody needs a fresh start. Everybody needs a clean slate. I don't know about you, but I've needed a few do-overs in my life. How about you? Maybe you haven't lived life long enough, but you've lived it as long as I have, and you'll, you'll be glad for a few do-overs here and there. Everybody needs a do-over. Everybody needs a fresh start. Everybody wants a clean slate. God's presence, when He comes, can begin to cleanse us. It's His presence that begins to cleanse and brings new things to pass. I believe that's why it's so important. You come out of the presence of God, and it's as if you've got a clean Number six. When His presence comes, you can begin to recognize the privileges of sainthood. His presence begins to remind me of whose I am. His presence reminds me that I'm a new creature. His presence reminds me when it comes that I'm of a different class. And I know this will sound different or, and I certainly don't mean it to sound in any way uh, haughty or arrogant and, 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 and the Lord knows how I want to present this at this particular moment. But folks, if you've come into contact with the presence of God and you've received Him in your life, you're of a different class. You're of the born again. I, I, I'm of a different class. I, I, have, I have privileges being a, a son of God because He's in me and with me. I am unstoppable. And the reason I'm unstoppable is because He inside of me is unstoppable. There are things open to me now that are absolutely limitless because He who is inside of me is limitless. I can't go anywhere on my own or by myself or in my own strength. I am nothing in and of myself. But when God's presence shows up, I am reminded that with Him all things are possible. See? That's His presence. That's not theory. That's not conjecture. That is, that is His presence. Presence, And I recognize out of His presence again. Come on, those of you that have ever experienced the presence of God. And if you've walked out of that presence, it's like you can look at the world and you can look at the devil and say, Hit me with your best shot. Who is that blondie that sang that song? Prophetic. Hit me with your best shot. Because there's something in you that's going, I'm impervious to this. I've been in the presence of God. The number seven, experience the power of God. I don't know about you, but I am tired of theoretical Christianity. Words, but no power. Doctrine, but no deliverance. Sunday morning service without Sunday morning resurrection power. I mean, I want the power of God showing up. I don't care how smart you are. I want to know how powerful in God you are. There's a lot of smart people who couldn't raise a gnat up. True. A lot of smart people know the word backwards and forward. 
And they're clueless when it comes to praying for the sick or delivering the devil out of somebody's life. They don't know. Got a lot of information, just not much power happening. That's why Paul said the kingdom of God is not in words, but in power. And you need the presence of God to have the power of God. It's not wrong to, to want to see God's presence come and then see aspects of His presence manifest. A sign, a wonder, a miracle, a healing. People who maybe are knocked out under the power of God. Maybe folks that bring, see tears come to their eyes or, or have some other sort of manifestation. I've got no problem with manifestation. My problem is, is when we seek the manifestation and not the manifest form. The presence of God. That's what He wants us to love, His presence. So how do we prepare for this? And maybe there are many things. And I'm sure you could run up to me after service and say, don't forget Amy's. And I'm sure you're right. But, but we just need to start at ground zero. So I'm not an expert, but these are the things that I know that we have to embrace to see Him come and encounter His presence. Number one is that if you want His presence in your life, if you want, if you want to jump out of theory and get into reality, if you want to just... Just shake off just all the, the doctrinal stuff as good as it is and begin to step into a reality, a new, a new zone of his presence. If that interests you, then you've got to, number one, be spiritually hungry for that. Hunger. Sometimes the Bible uses the word thirst. Hunger, thirst, be hungry, be thirsty. It simply means great desire. God is drawn to those who are desperate. God is drawn to those who, who above all else want His presence in their life. Those who really say, I, I need you, I want you, I desire you, I, I am literally hungry. All of us here probably at some time in our life have experienced the feelings of hunger. In, in, in fact, for those of you that have ever done a diet, I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but I've done a diet before several times in my life, I've done diets. And, and a lot of times diets are, you know, the best kind of diets is those, are those diets that eat as much as you want diets. I mean, those are the ones. I'm all for that. Is that not true? I mean, but even those kinds of diets, after a while, I get you. You know, I know there was the Atkins diet, the South Beach diet. You never knew how much you liked bread until you couldn't eat it anymore. You know, you never knew how much a potato chip meant to you until, you know, you felt convicted when you grabbed that out of the pantry. Um, diet, diet. And, and those of you that have ever done diet, especially if you're on a diet with restricted intake. And can I just share this with you? Any diet you're on, there's going to be restricted intake. Or it probably isn't going to work. Or you're just eating air or something. I don't know. But it's restricted intake. And you do that for a while. And you begin to experience the pangs of hunger. Is it not? It's just the wildest thing. You can walk. You can walk by a, 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 a can of kidney beans. <laughs> that thing will be calling your name. Kidney. <laughs> no joke. Brussels sprouts look good <laughs> in the freezer. Come on, Emma. But all of you 
okay, so you know what I'm talking about. When you're hungry and there's something in you that's like desperate. Desperate. See, in America, we're not desperate anymore. I mean, we snub our nose if it's not served just right. We snub our nose if it's not the right temperature. We'll send it back. If it's just not perfect. Because we're just not desperate. We don't have to be desperate anymore because we can get it like we want it in America. And therefore, we have substituted entertainment for His presence. And we don't even know that we've done that. We just run around getting entertained and it distracts us from our real need of being desperate for the presence of God. Because you can be entertained every night of the week and it won't fix what's the matter. But you get a few moments in the presence of God and He will deliver you out of your bondage. Yes, He will. But you got to be hungry. you got to be desperate. It took 120 people in an upper room 40 days to get desperate. They got a Pentecost. People, you've heard me say this before, in other nations will walk miles to go to church. Trace and I the other day watched a, a show on... Christian network where people would walk literally miles to go to this this uh, special service that was going on and then they literally sat in a room that was 120 degrees Fahrenheit and they sat there for 12 hours straight in order to listen and be in the presence of God. Is it any wonder that they see miracles when you and I were going, come on now I'm on the express line Come on, we gotta, I understand, I'm not here to violate your schedules, and I, I, I'm a busy man just like you're busy people, I get it. But there's a place in all of this that we've got to ask ourselves, what are our priorities, and is one of them getting into the presence of God? Are we getting into the presence of God? Can you really live without the presence of God? Are you like one of them who said, just keep giving me the promises, and I'll walk right in, and I don't really need you to come along, Lord? Or will you be more like Moses who says, I'm not going anywhere? His presence. You got to be hungry. Number two, you got to desire to change. Now, this is the interesting thing about folk that I've just watched through the years is that most people want change because they don't like the repercussions of what's going on in their life. So they have these repercussions, and so they'll consider change. But here's the interesting thing once they do a little change, and once the repercussions are minimized, then all of a sudden they will shift back into what it is they were doing before, figuring they've got it handled. That doesn't work. And I'll tell you the reason it doesn't work is because God is looking for it, and then what they'll do is they'll blame God. Well, God just didn't do it for me. That's not true. It's not, it's not true. See, what God's looking for is someone who is sick and tired of being sick and tired. How, how badly do you hate your bondage? Are you sick and tired of being bound? Are you sick and tired of being addicted? Are you sick and tired of being an emotional wreck? Are you sick and tired of being fake? Are you sick and tired of being screwed up? Are you sick and tired of being the victim? Being bitter? Going through the motions? Everybody wants God to move up to say, I'm going through a dry time. What's God not doing anything in my life? Well, are you sick and tired of that and ready to get hungry again? Jacob said, I will not, listen to this, Jacob said, I will not let you go, Lord. 
blessed me. He was wrestling with the angel. I will not let you go. And when he said bless me, he wasn't saying, Lord, fill my bank account. He wasn't saying, Lord, give me the Lexus or the Mercedes. He wasn't saying, Lord, I need, I need a new big cabin cruiser. And if you could throw in the boat flip, it'd be great too. That's not what he was saying when he said, I will not let you go till you bless me. What he was saying was, I will not let you go until you change me. That's the biggest blessing. I will not let you go until you radically change my life. I am sick of being Jacob. I am sick of the way life has been lived. I am sick of all my mess-ups and my screw And I'm not going to let you go until you bless me with change. Right now, you're sitting somewhere right now. I know bless me with finance. Bless me with paying my bills. Bless me with a new house. No, change me. Change me. You know how God changed him? He made a walk with a limp the rest of his life. Be blessed, Jacob. I'm going to make you limp. So he would forever remember that he was no longer Jacob, but now he had become Israel, prince of nations. See, we're satisfied with a little more money in the bank account when God's saying, I want to make you a prince of a nation. Number three, we must pray and we must fast. Now I'm talking, I'm, I'm going to try to get to the point. I'm talking about food. Now I know well many people have asked me this through the years, and I guess I've dodged it a little bit, and maybe I wasn't sure, but I'm just going to go ahead and teach this. They didn't have technology in the first century. So in other words, when the Lord said pray fast, He wasn't looking at them saying, fast your iPod. That Lord spoke to me, and I'm only supposed to do four hours of we a week. Instead of, you know, 15, I'm normally doing. I'm going to fast. I'm going to fast my Nintendo. I'm going to fast my television. You know, nowhere in the Bible really do we see this. I mean, it wasn't as if, you know, a, a person said, well, I decided, I know there's, there's dancing girls three tents down. And that's our entertainment. So I'm just going to fast that. Hallelujah. You know, so I'm not going to that for at least a week. Glory be to God. Save your presence. <laughs> now I'm going to fast the magicians. You know they had magicians in those days. You know they do those magic tricks.
pray and fast. You push it away. You say, I'm not doing it anymore. I encourage you, I encourage you to do it with your food. Number four, we must be prepared. If you're going to encounter God, and especially those of you that are coming this weekend, I'll just say this to you in particular, you must be prepared for spiritual attack and distractions. If you're coming to encounter this weekend, just get ready. This week, the enemy will be scrambling in your circumstances to do everything he can to keep you from getting here this Friday and Saturday. We have seen this every single week of Encounter Week. He doesn't want you in the presence of God. He doesn't want you free. I've had people call up at the last minute, and they've had unexpected guests come into town. People call up at the last minute, unexpected things here at work, or this, or that, or the other. I understand things can happen, and I understand sometimes you can't help but deal with it. But right now, right now, you need to pray, and you need to fast, and you need to cut the enemy off of the past. Because I guarantee you, he'll do whatever he can in order to stop you from getting into the presence of God. I mean, incredible stories of, of incredible things that take place. Cars that are perfectly good break down Friday morning. You think that's just an accident? That's the enemy trying to keep you out of the presence of God. And we need to be prepared as a church. Listen to me, folks. If we're going to press into the presence of God, do you realize the enemy right now is scrambling? He's saying we cannot let those people get into God's presence. If they get into His presence, they will be unstoppable. If they get into His presence, nothing will be withheld from them. If they get into His presence, they'll tap all resource that they need. If they get into His presence, my kingdom, the kingdom of darkness, will fall if they get into His presence. We must, we must distract them. We must keep them under attack. We must keep their eyes focused on everything else. We've got to do whatever we can. That's why you get messed with and your heathen neighbor never has anything go wrong with them. Because you're a threat and they're not. So you got to be prepared for that, man. That's why the Bible says, when you're persecuted for righteousness, they rejoice. Hallelujah. That's what Jesus said. Be blessed. You're worthy to be persecuted for righteousness sake. We, we think that if everything's smooth, good, and without any sort of, of contending, that it must be God. Sometimes you're in the center of God's will when all hell is breaking loose. Because you're the only one he can entrust to stand in that pea patch like Eleazar the dodo and beat off Philistines for a day. That was the heart of God. Amen. So if you're in the middle of a battle, just rejoice that God counted you worthy. That God counted you able. That God counted you among the special forces to be out there battling on the front lines. Praise God. And finally, number five, we must believe that God has no respect for persons. If the Lord would be so gracious to reveal his presence to people down through the ages. If God would reveal his presence to these folks in this Bible who were born under the same curse that you and I were born under. If God was so good through the years to release his presence in notable figures and moves of God and camp meetings and, and great awakenings. If God was so gracious to do all these things with other people all through the years. Then we must believe that he is no respecter of persons and what he did for them he will do for us. That what he's done through the years, he will do in this location. 
need to believe that God will do that. It's not just always for them, it is for us. We must believe that. You must believe that God can do and, and whether or not we hit that as a people, can I just tell you, you need to believe that for yourself. I love you more than anything. In, in my heart, I want every single one of you, listen to my heart, as your pastor, I want you to experience the presence of God. And I will do everything I can within my limited power to help foster the presence of God in our midst. I will do that because I want you to experience that. I want that for you. But listen to me. If you decide that's not for you, it's not stopping me. It's not stopping me. And if you're sitting out there right now and you're looking at a spouse or you're looking at a family or you're looking at friends and they're looking at you going, I don't know about that, then you're going to have to make up your mind right now. What are you going with? What are you going with? As for me and my house, we're going after the Lord. Now, Here's what I want to do, and I'm done. I'm going to call the church today, this week, just to begin to pray. Would you just begin to pray this week? we got folks coming this weekend to an encounter, and I want you to pray for them. I just want you to say, Lord, lift up that encounter this weekend, that you'll touch those people in a very special way. I want to ask you also this week, I'm not asking for an extended fast, but some, sometimes food this week, food, fast food this week. Would you do that? I, I'm just setting aside this week. Just, just I, I'll leave it in you and the Holy Ghost's hands. But I, the only thing I will say is make it food. Fast and food. And seek God. And this week, this week I believe that God's just wanting us to do some things. To put some things in motion. He's talking about me some, about some other things. And, and it's going to be a few months yet before I can implement. And that's how the Lord speaks to pastors sometimes. He tells them right now and then sometimes he gives them strategy. So there's some other things that are going on that uh, I may share with you in the upcoming weeks. But for right now, the only thing that's important for us is we take the next step. You don't have to worry about the 20th step. You just have to worry about the next step. And the next step this week is I'm going to ask you, number one, to pray. Pray and seek God's presence. Ask Him. Desire His presence to come. Number two, fast. Ask the Lord what He'd like you to do this week to fast. And then I want to read to you this, and I'll be done. Exodus 33, if you can still find that in the book of Exodus, and I'm coming in for a landing, and we'll be done. It's that passage that I mentioned to you a couple times. Bear with me, I'm just about done. Exodus 33, verse 12, it says this, Then Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me, yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found grace in my sight. Now therefore, I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way, that I may know you, and that I may find grace in your sight, and consider that this nation is your people. And the Lord said, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Then he said to him, listen to this, this is Moses, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us? So we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. So the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. And he said, please, please show me your glory.
This is what Moses said. Moses, Moses said, and I've already shared it with you, forget the promises, forget the land, forget the blessing, forget it all. I want your presence. And this is what he said. He said, the only way the nations, the only way the nations will know the difference between themselves and us. He said, the only way it will be distinguished, the only way it will be set apart, the only way all of this will happen to where we can make an impact in the earth and do what you've asked us to do, the only way this will happen is when your presence comes into our midst. I'm going to say this kindly and gently, and I say it to my own, it's, it's, it's a rebuke to myself, and it's a rebuke to everyone who names the name of Jesus. And just listen to me for just a minute. The reason the American church cannot change its own nation is because we don't have his presence. There's no distinguishing between us at times and the world. I know, I know 80%, last Gallup poll said over 80% of this nation said they believed in God. Can you imagine? 80% of this nation says it believes in God. Do I have to give you the statistics of what we face in the nation? The rampant evil immorality and the absolute disconnect between what God has said in His Word and what we see in the land. And you know what the key to it all is? It's, it's not just electing whoever we think it is to be elected. I'm going to tell you what the issue is. It's not getting a new presence in the White House. It's getting His presence in His own house. It's getting His presence in your house. God's will. But He's not a cheap date. You're not going to get his presence. You're not going to get. You're not going to get all that that presence entails, and just think it's it's just easy. No, 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 no. no. He says, "Will you pursue me? Will you seek me? Will you love me? Will you will you want me?" And here's what I want to do today. I want everyone to stand right now. We have some. Why don't you bring some musicians and begin to make your way to the platform? And as they're making their way to the platform, I want you right now just to close your eyes right where you're standing. We're going to take just a few moments and we'll be done. And I want you just right now, right where you're standing, you can whisper it to the Lord and just say, Lord, I really want your presence. I sense, I sense you calling me to something deeper, something more, something needful. My answer isn't just in getting another blessing, although I, I've appreciated your blessings through the years. But my answer ultimately is your presence. Your presence. Your presence. But you begin to just whisper that for the word of these last I'll tell you what I'm going to do. In just a minute, we're going to begin to, to sing. We're going to worship God. And that's how we're going to end this morning. We're going to worship God. Just a moment or two. And in our worship, God, we're going to begin to cry out and solicit His presence. I don't know what song it is, but if it's a song about the Lord, it's good enough to solicit His presence. And maybe this morning where you're standing right there, you would be honest enough to say to yourself, you know, I, I've not been a pursuer of His presence. I want His presence. And you and you'd acknowledge that. You'd acknowledge there's something that's stirring in me. My heart has been strangely this morning. And I want His presence in my life. I want change to 
take place. In just a moment, I'm going to ask that you slip out and you just come to the, the, the wells. I call them the wells of the church up front here. And you just begin to, to declare that to the Lord. We're just, we're, just, we're just reaching out to God this morning. Some of you right now, you may, you may be in good stead with the Lord. But you know there's more of His presence. And you need to link up and say, Lord, send more. I, we need your presence in this house. I need your presence in my house. I need that. And I just want those that are hungry. Now, I'm not suggesting if you stay where you are that somehow you're second class. I'm not suggesting that. But I am suggesting that some of you this morning are really hungry for more of God. You really want that. You desire that. It may be the whole church. It may be just a few. But I tell you what, if we had just a few that were hungry, it would be more than enough, I believe, to cause hunger to be created in this whole congregation. Lord, I pray right now for hunger in the congregation. I pray for spiritual desire, thirstiness, for the presence of God in our midst. Lord, we certainly need you coming up this weekend as we minister to people in a designed time as unto you. But Lord, I'm praying right now and asking that our vision would get larger than just weekends every now and then through the year, but that you would begin to meet us in your presence. When we gather on Sunday, meet us in your presence when we gather even on Wednesdays in our connect groups, Lord, that your presence would come. Lord, when we have special events, your presence would come. Lord, when we have devotional times at home at the kitchen table, that your presence would come. In our cards, when we're worshiping you, when the tape or the CD is in the player, your presence would fill the car. Lord, that your presence would come. But Lord, it'll only come when we desire it. So Lord, I'm asking you right now, would you, would you begin to create that hunger in us to cry out for your presence? And this is what I want you to do. If you're hungry and you're thirsty, and I don't know how you define that, but you can slip out. Let's just come to these altars and, and, and get to the altars of the church. Let's just worship God and pray and seek Him and and begin to just cry out and say, Lord, I need more of you in my life. I want more of you in my church. I, I want to see you in my, my home and in my relationships. That's a good thing. It's a really good thing. And I need people just to help intercede. Believe with me. Yeah. Holy Spirit, we cry out right now for the presence, your presence to come in our midst. We cry out, Lord, as a people who live in a dry and thirsty land. And we declare unto you, O God, that, that all the prophecies that you have spoken and all the promises that you have given us in your word and all the plans that we've made, Lord, including the, the, the church plans and the land plans and and all the other neat things that are going on, Lord, that we honor you in. And you blessed and helped, and we acknowledge that. But Lord, know my heart and know our heart today. That Lord, we'll stay right here because I don't want to go to Jealous Island without you. I don't want to go south of town without you. Lord, we can build a great temple. But if you aren't dwelling in temples that were not made with human hands, if you're not dwelling 
Lord, we cry out for more of you. Lord, not because of all the blessing, but Lord, we believe that your clear vision of you'll change our lives and cause us to be distinguished among the nations. Show us your glory. Show us your glory. 